This time on Divisive Issues, we're going to talk about the biggest Ghostbusters news in 2008. Ghostbusters the comic book. Because Bustin' makes us feel good. There's something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! There's something weird and it don't look good. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! Welcome to Divisive Issues, a podcast where we talk about comic books. Most of the time. I'm Ryan Lynch. I'm Sly Crapper. And I'm Phil Maverickus. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I guess I usually start talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we were debating on what kind of Ghostbusters thing to talk about, and Sly picked this comic book. Tell us about it, Sly. So, this comic book is called... Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, <laughs> the other side, to be specific. And... Uh, because there's is, a lot of different Ghostbusters comics, right? Well, uh, this is the first, uh, one of the first Ghostbusters comics in like 10 years. There was a huge drought of Ghostbusters comics for like a long time. And uh, this was the first one by IDW, the current publisher. And their first stab at it with, with some flawed attempts. And basically the story is about Ghostbusters get killed by a bunch of 1940s gangsters, the ghosts of 1940s gangsters, and they die. <laughs> And end up in purgatory. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I didn't know there were Ghostbusters comics before this, but uh, it's it's interesting. So I was wondering because this came out in two thousand eight. What I don't, I mean, I you might not, you might know better than me, and listeners probably don't know as well as you do. L- listeners don't know anything. They're just <laughs> they're just morons. <laughs> what was the state of the Ghostbusters franchise after the movies? So what happened after the movies, you had, uh, obviously, Ghostbusters 1, Ghostbusters 2. I just realized that that really sounds like I'm setting up, like, Sly's talk. But really, I don't know and want to (laughs) know. But I said that so, like, stiff. Hey, guys. I didn't see you there. (laughs) What did you tell us about Ghostbusters, Sly? Uh, But, um, so yeah, Ghostbusters, uh, you had the movies, the comics, not the comics. Yeah, actually, you you'd have the comics. But the comics were based on the real Ghostbusters cartoon, which was big at the time. And that was and, when? In the 90s? In 1984, the first movie. Then the cartoon came out. It was big. People were hy- hyped up for Ghostbusters 2 after the cartoon was so popular. Then the movie came out. Even though I like it, people hated it. And then after they make another one, they, they bitched about Ghostbusters 2. Then bitched afterwards that they didn't make Ghostbusters 3 maybe after Ghostbusters 2. The fan base <laughs> can't be fucking pleased ever. But either way, <laughs> then the cartoon ended after they fucked it up. The story editor, John Mark Krasinski, left. They basically made Slimer the main character. They made Janine into a fucking house mom. They made a bunch of dumb changes to try to make it more family-friendly. And the c- cartoon ended. Yeah, family-friendly, uh, based on the, the first movie that has a fucking blowjob scene in it. Can you explain that scene to us, Ryan? Uh, Can you enact that scene? Dan right Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost, and it's super weird. In yeah. an otherwise not adult movie. And also, that scene, like... That's the only part of that scene. Like nothing else happens in the scene besides Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost. Yeah. So wait, is that is that canon? Uh, the, would it need to be like a poltergeist to interact with the physical <laughs> realm? <laughs> yeah. So you had uh, real Ghostbusters. The cartoon ended, and then after when the cartoon ended, the comic ended, and then just like with the movies, you had a drought of Ghostbusters for a long, t- long time, until 
uh, a company called 88 Miles Per Hour. I got the rights to the comics. So we're gonna make 88 a- Miles Per Hour, because of yeah. course, look how yeah. 80s they are. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, we're going to make a new Ghostbusters comic. And it was all right. I read it. Um, but what happened was the company was really shitty and was poorly managed and went out of business before they could even get the trade out, apparently. <laughs> and then IDW. IDW is a company which was built to make licensed comics. They make, like, the Metagor Saw comics. They make the My Little Pony comics. I've seen, like, some of their Predator comics around. Like, they do a lot of tie-in stuff. Yeah. And so, like, and they ma- they got the rights to it after 80 miles per hour went out of business. And this was their first stab at it. And uh, even though now, like, the fan base admits, like, this was kind of a weak entry, uh, they were happy at the time just to get any Ghostbusters material whatsoever after, like, a fucking decade of nothing, literally nothing, Ghostbusters related. Did this sell well? Uh, it sold well enough to get another miniseries and eventually led to a uh, main series, which I read, and I'll discuss in my recommendations. Mm, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Spo- spoil and sly again. <laughs> After you screamed at me last week. <laughs> so I actually wanted to, I guess this is a good time to ask. Obviously, Sly's a huge Ghostbusters fan if you've read all this stuff. Where do you fall on the your love of the franchise, Phil? I... I am almost I almost know nothing about the series. <laughs> I, I saw the first movie, I guess, when I was a kid. I don't really remember it that well. So I might have not even seen the whole thing. I might have just seen parts as as kids do. Just when the blowjob scene over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. I watched that all day. But uh yeah, I, I know very little about it besides obvious like pop culture references that you can't get away from, like I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And yeah. I've you know, I've played the Ghostbusters NES game because it's shitty. <laughs> <laughs> um but aside from that, I, yeah, I don't know much. I mean, I watched Ghostbusters 1 and 2 when I was a kid, like, a bunch of times, and I really like both of them. But, like, I never really – still, I don't understand where, like, the extreme passion for this fan base comes from. Because, like, they're great movies. But, like, I was always way more into Back to the Future or, like, the Blues Brothers to go with, like, another Dan Aykroyd movie. Or, like, I, I just – I never realized – Were you into the f- Blues Brothers as a kid, though? Yeah. Okay, so that's probably, like, a less common... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah no, but I, mean, I, don't, like... I don't think Blues Brothers is a big fan base as, as Yeah, no, as I know that. But I'm saying... I'm not saying, like, that it's as big a franchise or anything. I'm saying, like, I viewed it as, like, this is just another fun 80s Dan Aykroyd movie with, like, a great cast, but I never realized that it was a franchise that people felt so strongly about until, like, recently. You know, with all the other stuff going on. You mean the, the comic, the... Yeah, yeah, this comic, all this controversy. It probably mentioned the extreme passion of the fan base because my first experience with Ghostbusters was the extreme Ghostbusters in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and that was, uh, and I bitched about the Ghostbusters fan base reaction to Ghostbusters 2. So they bitched that, oh, we want a Ghostbusters sequel. Then they got it. And they bitched that, oh, this Ghostbusters sequel sucks. Give us another. Where's the, where's the new one? Even though we bitched about the last one. And then they Didn't bitched they make a Ghostbusters video game recently that was basically Ghostbusters 3? Yeah, but yes. yeah, like a decade later. Yeah, but like, the, and did it? I didn't hear anybody talk about it when it came out. It, it, oh, it these, was good. Uh, it was good. It yeah, was a good game. Yeah. But uh, the fan base also bitched. We're like, oh, we need a new Ghostbusters cartoon. The Ghostbusters could start cooking them out. Extreme Ghostbusters. Oh, this is more PC bullshit. And that was the original <laughs> Ghostbusters 2016 because it was a PC team of a female, a guy in the wheelchair, a black guy, and a Hispanic guy. And people were like, fucking PC bullshit. Who are my fucking classic cartoons? But uh, so is there something inherently like resistant to change about Ghostbusters that other franchises doesn't have? Don't have? 
I, I don't think I don't think it's just Ghostbusters. It, uh, first, first of all, I think the reason people feel so passionately about it is because as a kid, uh, being into a franchise can it can do it for life. Basically, like, we got into Pokemon as kids, and it's just it has like hooks in us forever. So I think when you get really into something as a kid, and then you get older, and you see someone else trying to change what you love, even if the change might be good. People are generally pretty resistant to that. Uh, and, like, the reason I think we don't see it in other franchises is because it's not like you can have the, t- the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles become, like, diverse characters. They're yeah. always just going to be turtles. Ironically, <laughs> though, ironically, though, when they introduced the female Ninja Turtle, everyone's like, they fucking ruined the franchise with that. And, like, they, they never mention it ever again. At the oh, no, I understand. I understand, like, the internet and fanboys getting super upset about these things. But I feel like with Ghostbusters, it was a level that I, like, didn't see coming and didn't expect at all. And, like, I've never seen people so upset. We'll get it to that at the end, because yeah. we have a comic to get to. Yeah, okay. Oh, wait, we read a comic? <laughs> so what is the target demographic for this, audi- for this audience? <laughs> target demographic audience for this audience. Target demographic audience for this comic, guys. It's people that... <laughs> I don't know, because, like, it doesn't have any of the charm that the first Ghostbusters movie has, in my opinion. Uh, what about you, Phil? What do you think? Um, I, I kind of enjoyed it, I guess. It was a, I thought it was okay. Uh, if, if you're interested in seeing, like, a bunch of historical figures as ghosts. <laughs> I don't even know if I would go that far. I didn't hate it. I didn't Here's- hate it. Here's my opinion on it. Uh, this actually will be the reason why I, I would give any grounds to like the people who are super obsessed over the original team because i i view this as a very not very i I, this is not a very good comic that's what i'll say (laughs) but i do think when i read it i really enjoyed it because these characters are charming peter venkman's a fucking funny guy and i think they get his voice when you get his voice right like they do here it can make you overlook a shitty fucking story I did actually think that they nailed a lot of the voices, especially Dan Aykroyd's. I don't remember most of the characters' names, so too bad. Igor, I guess, right? Egon. 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 It, it, that's what's, it's so funny because they they have, uh, in the New Ghostbusters comic, they have people calling him Igor, and he's like, man, he's fucking Egon, guys. No, Fuck they you. Do that. they do that in this one. Yeah, they, they do, do that in this one. I was thinking about. <laughs> but, uh, and, like, I, I felt, I actually had a hard time distinguishing because... Uh, like, I thought that they got the voices pretty well, but I feel like I was liking them extra because of the charm that Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and the other guy whose name I don't know. <laughs> uh, fucking, uh, I forgot his name not too. Shit, I knew it all the time. Yeah. Ernie Hudson, Ernie Hudson. Yeah, eat shit, yeah. Ryan. Ernie Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eat shit, Ryan. <laughs> I, I feel like a lot of the things, like, I was really liking Egon's dialogue because I was picturing Dan Aykroyd saying it, not necessarily because I was enjoying it. Egon's played by it. fucking uh, Hal Ramis, you piece of shit. Okay, well, what, what's Dan Aykroyd's character Ray. name? Ray! Okay. Ray, so, fucking asshole. <laughs> sorry. Man. So, Ray's Ray so many fucking shit, just people saying, you don't even know who fucking Ghostbusters is going to comment in a new movie? You don't deserve to talk about this movie, fucking asshole. That's not asshole. what I'm saying. I didn't say that. <laughs> no, but people are going to be like, these people are fucking cool. saying the movie is good. They didn't even know the fucking original characters. They can't. We didn't see the this. movie yet. So yeah, but, but but you're a casual fag, so now anything you say can and will yeah. be used against you in a court of the internet. Yeah. So. Okay, fine. I, I actually I actually had trouble remembering some of the, some of the actors' names, and I fucking memorized them because I know if I fuck up <laughs> and fuck, fuck up Harold Ames' name, I'm gonna get so much shit for it. You know, from I who? actually. <laughs> 
when I was reading it, I was like, I should really memorize these characters because I only know the actors' names and I don't know the character names. And I, but then I thought Sly's definitely gonna be really mad at me if I mix them up, so I'm not gonna learn them. In fact, I'll learn them wrong. I was more interested in the different mobsters. I'm like, well, who's he again? <laughs> you probably, I like how you probably forgot them, and now you're trying to make it seem like you were fucking three-dimensional chess piece of shit. Fucking. <laughs> Okay, so anyway... All, all according to Kikaku. <laughs> so I felt that I really like Dan Aykroyd's character, Ray, in this book, but not because of the book, because, like, I picture Dan Aykroyd saying it, and I love Dan Aykroyd. But that's, that's what I mean, like, that charm that you ascribe to those, those characters in the movies adds a lot. But you fucking shit on me all the time on the show, Sly, because I'm like, I like this character because of what other writers did with them, and you're like, no, you have to, the work has to stand on its own. So fuck you, Sly. That's why, at the end, I admit this is a bad comic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as long as you know. What you're wondering, like, why, why people are so attached to it. The charm, the, the charm you attach from the books you like is like the same people attached to the first Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. Right. So, now, was, it, was it always the same characters up, up until Extreme Ghostbusters? Because uh, I don't remember the cartoon at all. It was pretty much the same. Uh, like, the cartoon even... Uh, even kind of ignored Ghostbusters 2 where because in Ghostbusters 2 they added uh, uh, Louis Tully I believe his name was uh, I forgot the actor's name shit everyone's acting even forget it <laughs> oh, what a casual the fucking nerdy guy the fucking nerdy dorky guy yeah Kanye uh, Shrek the Kids guy oh. yeah Rick Moranis Rick Moranis yes. Rick Moranis uh, that guy uh, his character was like in a few episodes but he never became a member of the Ghostbusters as far as I know and stuff like that gotcha yeah, because, uh, so just to clarify for everybody, Peter Venkman is Bill Murray, Igor is Harold Ramis, Egon, Egon fuck, <laughs> Egon <laughs> is Harold Ramis, Ray is Dan Aykroyd, and what was his name, Eddie something? Uh, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson is Winston? Yes. Yeah. So in case, for when we invariably keep switching them up. So getting into the actual story. Uh, the story starts with uh, uh, a ghost mobsters meeting or a bunch of uh, old sc- old style, like classic mobsters. Yeah, know, like the like, suits, like the pinstripe suits. They're like yeah. Prohibition era gangsters. Yeah. yeah. Having, a, having a round table meeting. And like the leader of the group is called Freddy or Fred, whatever. Yeah. And uh, he's meeting with like some new mobsters, new ghost mobsters, like more like modern, like traditional gangsters of the modern era who look more like drug dealers and stuff. Oh, also for the record, we forgot to mention, it's written by Keith Champagne and drawn by Tom Nagoyan. Uh, do you know Tom Nagoyan, Ryan? Uh, I know, I know Dustin Nagoyan, who's totally different. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. Because the name sounds familiar, so I'm like, oh, it's one, Ryan. It's one name. of the most common Vietnamese names. I think it's also uh, pronounced Gwyn, or Gwyn. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, it's like the most common last name in Vietnam. I'm not being racist, though. <laughs> Just, it is. You fucking piece of shit. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, we should mention the art, by the way, in the writing. So, uh, the art is... Uh, the, how would you describe the art? Like, Do you think it's good? I don't think it's bad. I liked it, actually. I like it. Um, it's a little better than I usually expect from, like, licensed tie-in properties, because I feel like those usually don't get, like, crazy A-list talent. I it didn't really stand out to me that much, but I didn't mind it at all. I like the uh, ghost zapping effects. My opinion on it is, I, I, it's very technically competent, but I feel like my biggest beef is the actors 
none of the characters look the, like the actors. Like Winston looks more like Eddie fucking Murphy. Uh, fucking Venkman looks more like a young Jack Nicholson. Ray looks like he's fucking eighteen years old. And no, I think I think Ray looked pretty close to Dan Aykroyd. He's so he's not that skinny though. <laughs> no offense to Dan Aykroyd. Well, have you seen Blues Brothers? He's pretty skinny in that. But this is like fucking modern. It's supposed to make us think it's modern day fucking uh, Dan Aykroyd. So we're so okay. It's definitely not supposed to be like sixty year old Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> but like at least like eighty nineties or nineties Aykroyd. But um. And also, the Egon looks the closest, but he has weird spiky hair, like fucking Bloomin' Onions from Arby's or something like that. Okay, Arby's doesn't have Bloomin' <laughs> Onions. You mean Outback? Outback you, don't know, you don't even know the actors? You don't know what a Bloomin' Onion is? <laughs> Fuck you, Sly. Okay, so getting to the actual story. So mobsters meeting. Uh, the Ghostbusters become the door busters for a while and bust down the door. God damn it, Sly. What a fucking shitty joke. Yeah, it's like, is that even a joke? Or is it just... Uh, one thing that I do want to point out stylistically that I think is really cool is all the all the ghosts' dialogue, their word bubbles are see-through, like transparent. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit, much like the ghosts themselves. And all the Ghostbusters' dialogue is not. And I thought that was just a cool way to help distinguish when people are talking off screen, or off panel, and stuff like that. And I just thought, stylistically, it looked more like ghosts, I guess. Yeah. I I also like... The ghosts look interesting because throughout the comics, you see they, they still have their wounds that killed them on their body, which is interesting. So you'll have guys with, like, like a bullet hole in their eye or, like, bullet holes in their body, which is kind of an interesting effect. Alright, so the Ghostbusters bust the rival gang, and uh, but uh, Lee Mobster of the 1940s gangsters, uh, Fred, he enters Venkman's body and pushes his soul out. So now Venkman's like floating outside his body while this new guy's like, oh, hey, fuck you guys, I'm Venkman now. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Fuck you guys, I am Venkman. It's and, Peter Venkman, right? Yeah, and uh, and he's like, oh, I, you, if you got any of my boys in that trap, you gotta free him, we're all some gonna... Uh, jump out this window and kill your uh, boy's body here. And uh, Sly's, Sly nails the impression once again. <laughs> uh, but, and the Ghostbusters realize that if a, a body's uh, spirit's forced out of its body too long, after a while it fades away and goes to like, the big black dark abyss or something. Yeah, the dark void of despair. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so they're like, oh, we gotta act soon or else we're gonna lose Venkman. And Vegman's fading in before their very eyes, and he's 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 very Peter Vegman about like cracking jokes about what's going on, very casual. And uh, so they uh, Winston just runs forward and punches Peter Vegman and knocks him out. And the uh, Fred Ghost jumps out the jumps out, jumps out Vegman's body and jumps out the window, in a very actiony style. That's how ghosts work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The lore of ghosts is very confusing. To yeah, and they make fun of it throughout the comic too, which I appreciate because they're like, "Is that how the afterlife works?" Because a lot of this stuff, it's kind of weird. Uh, it's also it's also interesting. Like even when the mobsters were meeting, the big guy Fred or whatever gets really mad because the other guy's disrespecting him, and he flips a table through the guy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like it's it's played for laughs, where like he's choosing to interact it for no reason. Which I guess is pretty—it's—it's it's pretty consistent with the motivation of the mobsters throughout the book—is they're just doing whatever they want for no reason. And it's like—it's like a nature thing. Like if this is what he would have done in life, this is what he does in death. Yeah, they—they yeah. they go, they go back to that a lot. Yeah. So uh, the mobster goes to meet with his busters, uh, bosses, to deal with the busters. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, also, and, to note, Venkman is uh, like a vegetable now, and his soul's yeah. out of his body. He's just laying there. 
and they he's alive, but they they see that there's no spirit activity or something. Yeah, the real fake faded away. Oh. They do classic Ghostbusters like fake science stuff, where they're like oh, these these readings of of his soul, and it's like that's that's like pretty consistent with Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. But um. The, uh, the Fred's bosses are actually classic mobsters: Bubsy Siegel, Mayor Lansky, Al Capone, and Lucky Luciano. I uh, only know Al Capone. I don't know any of these guys. I, I honestly only recognize Al Capone too, and but I knew that everyone else just had to be somebody because they all are drawn way too detailed to just be nobody. And they're every time they they made sure when they introduced the four of them, every time it cuts to another one, someone says their name in bold right before. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to know these people. I will say also, um, maybe the actors were not drawn so well, but the historical ghosts you see actually look a lot like their pictures. Uh, I could tell it was Al Capone right away. Yeah, it actually makes me wonder if there was like a license license issue with the actors, like they couldn't make them too close. To the I, I I think it has to be because if you the a character who will show up a little bit later who's also very famous, he looks literally identical to his like photographs. Like he looks so much like it that I feel like they couldn't have just messed it up that badly. They probably had to make it look different. And they're also incredibly consistent with the way the main Ghostbusters look throughout the book. Yeah. It's not like he's trying and failing. Yeah, it's not like one panel looks just like Bill Murray. They're, it's pretty consistent. The only ha- uh, hole in that theory is on the covers, they look ex- almost exactly like the Ghostbusters. Yeah, so That's I don't true. know what the deal with that is. I yeah. don't either. Maybe New Guinness isn't like Bill Murray. He's like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so uh, they take the Vegman's body to station, and uh, they're eating pizza, chilling, and they're wondering, oh, what happened to Vegman's body? And um, Vegman's body gets up and starts moving and starts exiting the station, and Ghostbusters like, oh, we gotta go follow him, make sure nothing well, happens. <laughs> I actually like the scene a lot for a couple reasons. One, you get a lot of this is when you first see Ray being like the super smart, like overly sciencey like goofball when he's reading through all the books and everything and then they find out that he's not awake not because he's ignoring them but like because Venkman's body he picks up a slice of pizza and then throws it on the ground and they're like Venkman would never waste pizza like this he must be possessed <laughs> they think he's sleepwalking at first and they're like oh that could happen I guess um but I haven't read that book yet <laughs> yeah that's volume two yeah <laughs> Also, I love how, like, carefree they are. That the, the books they get from the library are apparently, like, incredibly rare tomes. And they have open cans of soda, like, sitting on top of them. Yeah. And, like, right, even though, like, I kind of dumped on the book a little at the beginning, I do, it does capture the Ghostbusters world and tone pretty well. Yeah, like, uh, that, that you mentioned, like, they have these ancient tomes and they have soda cans, uh, Careless nearby them. That's maybe Ghostbusters in general. Cause Not Ghostbusters... nearby them, on them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> literally on top of them. But, like, Ghostbusters in general are a bunch of fucking reckless scientists fucking blowing up courtrooms and stuff, trying, uh, and using, their, using their, their knowledge for profit. Like, they're a bunch of reckless fucking assholes. Yeah. Like, literally. And that's why they're so fun. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, so Baker, Peter Vegman's walking out uh, of the station. They follow him without their proton packs because they're in a hurry to catch up to him. And it turns out it was Fred possessing him again. And he's like, got you now, motherfuckers. Uh, my boys here waiting for you as a trap here uh, for you to come out of your bag your proton packs. Now we're going to uh, shoot you all up, basically. Now, one thing that he mentions <laughs> is they're like, uh, he's, they say like, the, they look like ghosts, but those guns definitely don't look like ghost guns. Those are real guns. And if you look at the art, 
They're not. They're ghost guns. They are in the, the first scene. They're guns, and then the second scene, they're ghost guns, and then yeah. they're ghost guns again. Then they're real guns again. And then there's a page that half of them are real guns and half of them are <laughs> ghost guns. Maybe some of them couldn't get real guns. So they're just they came with ghost guns. <laughs> oh, they used to fake them out. <laughs> and I think I don't think that's an artistic error. I think that's more of the colorist. Yeah. But you know, because all the ghosts are like light blue and the guns are like black. But I just thought it was really funny that they explicitly say in the dialogue, those are real guns. And then you look, you're like, no, they're not. <laughs> and so then um, Winston's like, oh, I'm going to take them all while you guys run back and get the Poison Packs. And I've always found this weird because Winston, in, in all the IDW comics, they try to make Winston like this heroic man of action. He's like, go with kids and all this shit. That's all the, the stuff that comes after this, you mean? Like this stuff too. Like he's like a, he's like all right, I'm going to punch this guy out and uh, hold these in the mouth and they like and he punched out uh, Peter Vake would say oh no talking I work with my fists. Uh, Winston was like never like this in the movies. Maybe he's like this in the cartoon, but he, he was like the token black guy in the movies. Yeah, and I just find it funny because uh, people bitch about Leslie Jones's character in the movie say oh she's just a token black character, fucking streetwise, uneducated black woman, what a stereotype. While Winston was barely. A presence in the original. Yeah, movie. if anything, that's an homage to the original that they should like eat up. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's one of the things you can't win, really. Yeah, you, you, you want it to be win. the same, but you don't want it to be the bad parts of it. Yeah, yeah. But you want you also want it to not change at all. Yeah, and uh, so um, Winston tries to fight them with his fists, and because they have guns, he loses obviously. And also, dies. they're ghosts. Yeah. yeah. Well, he goes to tackle Venkman. Who's still? Oh, okay. Or like, but he's the only one without the gun. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he's trying to distract them, so he was was trying to distract them. Uh, So um, the buses get busted and die. They all Uh, get shot to shit, and this I was like, is this not a funny comic at this point? Because he literally gets shot with like Tommy guns, and and they just they all bleed out. Yeah, and I was like, uh, oh. (laughs) And the final page is everyone's dead. So Uh, after this first issue, I actually was like. This is pretty cool. I could get into this. The premise is interesting, I think, of them yeah. being dead. But it did raise a, a question that, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the most part, the ghosts and Ghostbusters were, uh, like, pretty monstrous in the movies. Oh, it varies. It varies and, a lot. Yeah, it varies. But, like, I feel like most of the ones that they really captured were, like, super monstrous. And I feel like by introducing the idea that they're regular sentient people, the fact that they lock them in a prison for eternity is horrible. <laughs> That's that's always been something up with the Ghostbusters lore. Because <laughs> like, if you look at the Ghostbusters lore, people discovered uh, all this new technology and they use it for profit, and even though and use it at the expense of people in the afterlife. Yeah, because it so in, uh, uh, in the Ghostbusters lore, like, have ghosts been around forever, but only now they can see them, or what? Well, in the actual Ghostbusters lore, what happened was when Gozer was coming, that was making all the ghosts become more active and stuff like that. And okay, Ghostbusters yeah. two. The Ghostbusters slime, uh, there's slime on the city that acts on people's emotions, and when the, basically the, the ghosts react to people's emotions, and the more the slime fucks up their emotions, the more the ghosts come out. Okay. So there's like there was a lore. I don't know about the cartoons, but that's the lore. reason in the movies. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, issue one ends, and the cover of issue two is uh, Egon, Winston, and Ray. Their their spirits floating over their corpses, saying, "Here lies the Ghostbusters." Yeah, I- I- Igor, uh, Eddie, and Ackroyd. <laughs> So uh, Fred tells the boss. Uh, bo- keeps calling them- Fred tells his busters that the bosses are dead. No, Fred tells his bosses. God damn it, Sly. The busters are dead, and in the river, 
Because you gotta put him in the river because he's fucking mobster. Yes. Yeah. They're sleeping with the fishes. Literally. Yeah. And uh, did you really need to hide the bodies? Because people just say, oh, the Ghostbusters dead. And no one's going to do anything about it. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> the only people that can stop these ghosts are the Ghostbusters. So, like, yeah. what's what's the point? Yeah. And, I uh, do like, well, again, the monsters just do whatever they want because it's yeah. what they feel like doing. But not he, only... He even says, like, he misses doing that. Yeah. Not only do they throw them in the river, they fill their bodies with bullet holes and then put them in, the, like, a van and then drive the van into the river. Yeah. He says something satisfying about it. Nothing quite like the rush that comes from taking a long drive off a short pier. <laughs> yeah. So the Ghostbusters are in purgatory because it turns out they're not due for heaven or hell. So that means they can't rock yet. God uh, damn it, Sly! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and they do um, get into some of the weird existential stuff here where they're like, there's mosquitoes in purgatory and they kill a mosquito and they're like, wait, but can you kill... If you kill a mosquito in purgatory... What happens to its body then? Can you have a separate level of purgatory where if you die in purgatory, you go somewhere else? You die in purgatory, and... you die in your life, guys. <laughs> I actually really like that they don't answer these questions. Yeah. Because one thing that I like about the Ghostbusters is they're not, like, plot devices at all. They're, like, reg- very regular, relatable guys. And, like, I really like the idea that, like, especially Dan Ackerd's character is always taking notes. And, like, even when he's in super danger, he's like, I wish I had my camera. Like, this is so cool. Yeah. I want it, like, and I love the idea that they keep asking all these questions that he basically is like, this is something to ponder for later. And, like, that was, that to me was my, like, high point of this whole book was just, like, watching them actually be scientists and not, like, usual fiction science, fictional scientists, which are guys that know all the answers to everything. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I bet too. There's like there's like a fascination and whimsy to it that makes him. Yeah, exactly, and it keeps it really fun. Yeah, so um, a grandma, conjoined twins, and two punk kids ghosts uh, were <laughs> in the uh, purgatory waiting uh, for them. Say, so, oh, we were expecting you, and, and they're like, are, are you guys the Ghostbusters? Like they ask, like the old lady's very polite about it. Yeah, and it turns out they were the ghosts were tasked by the mob to uh, kill the Busters for real in purgatory. Like, whatever that means. Because they say they say that even though, like, even though you guys are dead, you're still a threat to ghosts here where ghosts are. So we have to kill you again. You have to get twice dead. Yeah, and uh, we kept hinting that Fred's like, "Oh, I love the thrill of doing all this old classic mobster stuff." And he says, "Like, I, I'm, I'm back to being alive uh, to his boss. So fuck y'all. I'm gonna stay alive and I'm gonna quit and gonna go uh, bang some hookers and play some backjack." I love this idea that a, a, a mobster boss gets a body and instead of like, I have a master plan, he's just like, I have a body. This is going to be the best thing. I mean, it's like when Bender became a human in Futurama yeah. and he just like eats a million nachos and just has sex with everybody. Because <laughs> like if they're Prohibition era, they've been dead. For, they've been ghosts for like way longer than they were alive. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's, I think that's a cool thing that he's like, okay, we did the plan like, in issue one, so now I get to just hang out, right? And his boss is like, no, we have to be grandiose villains. And he's like, nah, fuck y'all. Yeah. And he says, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you're, you're a bunch of ghosts. I'm a ghostbuster. I ain't feeding no ghosts. And they <laughs> reference the I ain't afraid no ghosts in, like, every single issue. They do. <laughs> also, that we we have uh, Ryan over here saying, nothing personal, Igor, instead of Egon. Yeah. The grandma. Yeah. But the old lady or uh, says like, "Oh, nothing personal, Igor." And he's like, "My name's Egon, motherfucker. Fuck you, Ryan." He says uh, to break the fourth wall. <laughs> he looks right at the camera. He says, "Fuck you, Ryan. You're a piece of shit." Yeah. 
<laughs> fuck you, people are reviewing this in fucking uh, eight years down the line, whatever. Uh, what a what a what a high stakes math game you just played, Slide. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, the Busters beat up the Ghost Gang uh, and escape into a crowd of other ghosts, uh, <laughs> but they lose Winston in that crowd. And they start calling his name, saying, Winston! Even though they're trying to fucking blend in. Like, they're in the middle of the crowd, you're like, Winston! But I, I think that fits with the Ghostbusters, like, just being a bunch of goofballs. Yeah, but uh, they're, they're almost gonna die here. <laughs> these yeah. Guys, if these ghosts catch up to them. They also, one thing I did think was really weird about this issue, nobody seems to care that they're dead. Yeah, I know. Like, like they're like, whatever. They joke about it, too. They're like, ah, it sucks being dead. <laughs> so, um... What was it? So they get away, uh, but uh, from the crowd and everything. But the ghosts, uh, the ghost gang catches up with them now with a ghost army behind them, and they start chasing the Ghostbusters. And, and they chase. They meet, they meet someone very special on top of a, a cliff. Donald Trump, <laughs> a demon who says the borders shall not be breached. Oh. <laughs> you will be punished. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they they basically chase him on purpose to the borders, and and at the borders. Of purgatory, there's like these demons watching over the borders, and uh, they build a wall and they make heaven pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, Peter Venkman appears and rips Donald Trump's tongue out. Uh, he says, "I'm sick of tired of you fucking talking. Get the fuck out of here!" And uh, he rips out his tongue and kills him uh, to save his friends, which I feel is kind of harsh because the guy was just doing his job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. what happens when you have a PC culture, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> he—he's actually he represents the like liberal media, ripping he's out ripping out the, the tongue, tongue of yeah. the real Americans. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so so Peter Vakeman has like superpowers now, and we're about uh, giant demons' tongues. Yeah. And, and that's not Sly being coy. Like they do explain, he does have superpowers later. Yeah. It truth begins with uh, the it turns out the mobs are just smuggling souls out of purgatory by handing. Children over the border demons for food. I love that they're border demons. Yeah, all these uh, Donald Trumps for food because Donald Trumps these children. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> I, I find this like we talk about the weird lore of Ghostbusters. I find it weird that the, the border demons hunger for human children. No, but I think ch- demons wanting like innocent souls is super. Uh, like regular thing. It's probably not he. They want to eat the flesh as much as they want to consume the soul. I, I know they but, do. Uh, they do explicitly say souls later. But like God, presumably puts set this place up. So why would he put? Like, but if you if you they do explain how like the borders are joint patrolled by angels and demons, and that there's a truce between the two sides, so that it's like a neutral zone. So it's like the monsters are making a deal with the demons. Oh, I missed that part. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Vagman, uh, uh, while he was, uh, missing, he teamed up with Jagger, Hoover, and his boys. <laughs> this is, this was so weird to me. Yeah, so, this is when I was like, this is a bizarre thing that's happening. So basically, you have J. Ed- Edgar Hoover, the previous director of the FBI. Um, you have Elliot Ness, who was a, who, who was the guy who caught Al Capone, and I don't... Who was the... Oh, guy? I thought it was Ness from Earthbound and Super Smash yes. Brothers. Yeah, it is, actually. That's, he's based on <laughs> him. Uh, <laughs> and, it, and this is what I was saying before. Like, Hoover really looks like him, I feel like. that. Like, yeah. Almost like they, he was like, drawing off a photograph. Yeah, uh, uh, Peter Vegman says, uh, Sorry, uh, Edgar, uh, we didn't recognize you about your dress. 
<laughs> yeah, he used to he used to wear dresses all the time. Yeah, like in secret. It's like it's weird. It's silly that he's here because his main role here is to just keep calling them pinko commies throughout yeah. Yeah. All, every issue since like the last two issues here. All he does is just say pinko commies. Uh, there is on one you. really good pinko commie joke though, where somebody says something and someone's like, "Oh, I'm blushing," and he goes, "I knew you were a commie pinkos." <laughs> <laughs> and like the fact that he's blushing and turning pink is like yeah. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the Ghostbusters run in to save the children being sacrificed like idiots without Peter Vakeman, and then they run out again in, a, in like a classic, like, oh, we, we overstepped our bounds uh, comedy bit, and they run back to Vakeman, and Vakeman uses his super ghost powers to fucking explode the fucking demon. Like, and, and it's, and they get showered with blood. Like, yeah. he super explodes. Yeah, uh, it's, his tone his story is very off, but it's like in the first movie where you have fucking uh, uh, blowjob jokes. Yeah, well, I think I think like they go for they try to capture the tone of Ghostbusters where there's pretty scary things, but yeah. it's still played lighthearted. Like the ghost in the library in the first Ghostbusters movie is terrifying. Yeah, but like it's still played like goofy. So I think they try to do that, but I don't think it translates as well to the page as it does in film with like an all-star comedic cast. The, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to uh, get that tone across. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it turns out since. Uh, Peter was forced out his body and was sent to purgatory. He wasn't supposed to be here, so he's like a cosmic contradiction. Because so he's not actually dead, but he's in yeah. purgatory. So he's like a he's a doesn't have to follow purgatory's physics. So he's like I kind of took it like how ghosts act in our world; they don't have to follow our physics. So because he's like because he's in the ghost world and not a ghost, he can like basically be like. You know how, like, our ghosts can fly around and, like, can go through walls and stuff? He could do the same thing ghosts can do in this world. Yeah. Uh, He's also super strong. Yeah. So, So, uh, also, uh, this is my favorite line in the entire book, and why I I enjoy this book despite its flaws. Seriously? Everyone say hello to Jeff. Turns out mom wasn't so choosy, at least as far as names go, says Peter as he introduces his kid. (laughs) Because of, like, you choose Jif the peanut butter? Yeah, it's choosy moms choose Jif. That's a dumb joke, so It really is. <laughs> that is fucking classic Peter Vakeman. Eat shit. The reason why I think it's dumb is because Jif isn't a name. That's why it's funny. That's why he makes a joke about it. He says, oh, it's reference. No, I get it, but I feel no, like to me... the more you explain me, it, the, the worse it gets. You guys don't know humor at all. You guys are fucking... Fucking Neanderthals. Fuck you both. I feel like they only named him Jif so they can make this joke. But that's why it's funny. <laughs> no, but it's like, it's it's setting up this premise that, like, we're going to make a joke about this kid's name. But, like, you only made the name so you can make the joke. I feel like it's, like, it's not clever. You know, oh, you know, every fucking joke's not funny when we over-explain it, Ryan. Okay, I'm going to fucking explain every joke you make from now on and make it not funny more. We'll see how you feel, you piece of shit. She's like... I guess I'll have to choose my words more carefully. <laughs> See, secretly, Sly works for Jif as a marketing agent, so he's also, just really angry. Yeah. Uh, Skippy's way fucking better, you fucking idiot. I agree, but that's why also, it's Sk- actually funny. Because I, I feel like Skip up. is a better name for a kid than Jif. But you can't make the joke, then. Exactly, and the book would be better for it. No, this I would hate this book if not for this joke. <laughs> but sucks if you take this joke out. <laughs> God, the one time I actually ate before we recorded, and now I'm starving again. <laughs> so anyway, moving on. Moving on. It turns out Winston, when he left, he was with his dead girlfriend. And his dead girlfriend doesn't do anything in the plot. This whole thing seems like a forced attempt to give Winston some depth and feel super out of place. She also, most importantly, 
I guess, died in a bikini, so she yeah. will forever be a ghost in a bikini. And she and doesn't look ethereal like everyone else. She, like, just looks like a person. Yeah, black don't crack. And she's the only uh, female... Right, guys? She's the only uh, prominent female character in the story, too. Well, Grandma. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, the second but most prominent female. But the, the Grandma... I, yeah, I guess. The grandma gets punched in the face by J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah. <laughs> also, so like, really weird, J. Edgar Hoover also introduces here that he and the two other cops were sent by heaven to investigate. And it, I feel like Hoover would not have gone to heaven. Like, or even if he would have, for God to be like, you're very trustworthy. A guy who it was pretty controversial in U.S. history, like, for... All right, so what for, Phil's saying is J. Edgar Hoover deserves to burn in hell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying that, but, like, for God to be, like, you're my chosen, uh, when he spied on the, you know, civil rights movement, spied on Martin Luther King Jr., uh, like, he was pretty controversial as a person for God to be, like, unless God really hates commies and, like, was, like... So what Phil's saying is if you're emotionally, remotely controversial, you should burn to hell, just like Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, sometimes to catch a monster, you have to unleash a monster, right, Phil? Who's better to catch prohibition mobsters than J. Edgar Hoover? That's okay, okay, that's true. I, I think that's the extent of how they thought about it. It's like, who would go after mobsters more than J. Edgar? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, Ness, he's going to PK Thunder them. That's true, okay. So, uh, the ghost mob um, uh, interrupts Fred's hooker time. He's having sex with hookers in Peter Bacon's bodies. And they say, oh, well, you, you, you can get out of this business if uh, you bust the ghost brothers. But before then, you're, part of, you're working for us, motherfucker. And uh, he's like, okay, since you asked so nicely. Uh, Fred as Venkman enters the station. Uh, Janine shows up at the station, seeing Peter Venkman shuffling through all their stuff, looking for the ghost traps to use on the Ghostbusters. And she's like, oh, what you doing, Peter? Uh, Peter. And, uh, and he's like, Lois. That's more of a Lois. Uh, Lois, I'm trying to get the Ghostbusters here. Get out of here. <laughs> and, uh, but no, but she's like, wait. What are you doing here, Peter? And uh, she pu- he punches her in the face, and that's the only appearance Janine has in the story, just to get punched and in the I, face. Janine's one of my favorite Ghostbusters characters. I think she's hilarious. I agree, but... It wouldn't be a Divisive Issues episode without me complaining about the misuse of a female character. All right, so we have, we have three female characters in the story. Oh, the only three. Uh, Janine gets pu- shows up just to get punched in the face. Uh, Winston's girlfriend is just there to be uh, sexy. There's no plot. Does she even have a name? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, she does, but I forgot it, because they only mentioned yeah. it once. Yeah. And the, the old lady who... Who also gets punched in the face and is evil. I've never seen someone get fridged in backstory. Yeah. Like, she says, like, oh, I died and it motivated you to be a Ghostbuster <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, we don't even get to see her death. We only see her being like, yeah, I died. I was stuffed and, in a fridge. And then, and then people wonder why uh, people want to, to have four female Ghostbusters to counteract all, all this shit. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the GB talk about luring... The mob to the other side. The GB, Great Britain. <laughs> Great Britain decides we need to leave the UK and get the Ghostbusters over here. No, they leave the EU, not the UK. <laughs> uh, fuck! I fucked that joke up. Uh, so, so, the Ghostbusters said we need to enact Brexit and we need to make the Ghost Mobsters like Brexit from reality and come to Purgatory where Peter Vigman can kick their asses. Where and, Britain can die an economic death for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but it doesn't matter because it turns out uh, Fred and Venkman's body and, and the mobsters come to Purgatory anyway to bust them in Purgatory so they die for real. Like we said before, die in Purgatory, it, die in real life. What a strange yeah. panel this is for me too. The last page is them all coming to Purgatory through some crack and you have these ghosts. You have a samurai ghost coming through. You have a black guy with an afro and nunchucks. 
you have a baseball player. <laughs> you have like Electra or something down there. Like <laughs> you have Popeye up <laughs> top. I, I don't know. Like who who are these ghosts? They did some recruiting in the afterlife. Okay. And they're like, guys want to go kill the Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, because uh, what they do is they uh, get to smuggle ghosts out of purgatory. So they have like all the power in purgatory. So like that's kind of worth going to model but, for. But apparently, according to the lore here, you're in purgatory only if you die before you're supposed to get here. So you have to wait till you should have actually died. But this samurai, how long has he been here? Has he been here for hundreds of years? Maybe he was immortal and he didn't know it. Uh. Maybe he's just a cosplayer who died in a samurai costume. <laughs> that's that's very possible. So uh, issue four opens with my favorite cover out of the four. It's Peter Venkman's ghost with the Ghostbusters logo crossing him out. That's pretty cool. The yeah. covers are all great. Yeah. I really love the cover of them on standing on their own grave. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I agree. And so uh, Fred busts uh, Venkman and traps him in the trap. Immediately, so you get rid of the superpowered one. Yeah. Uh, where where else do you get trapped, Sly, if not a trap? Uh, trap TM as licensed by the Ghostbusters. Ryan, fuck you. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Not like uh, it's not like a Star Wars. It's a trap. Yeah. No, but trapped music, right? Or yeah, trap trap music. So uh, Jeff walks right in front of uh, Fred as Fred one. Like he, they have the Ghostbusters busted and, and and like in the corner, and he's like he's gloating, and Jeff just walks right in front of him and opens the the trap right in front of uh, Fred without him doing anything. I think he goes under yeah. his legs. Yeah, like, he does. You, no one noticed. None of his mob busters noticed. Hey, there's a fucking ghost walking into your legs. <laughs> they were trying to ignore it because of how stupid a joke it was. <laughs> and then uh, what's awesome here is when Venkman <laughs> gets busted out of the trap, he launches all the way to heaven, and he's like, yeah. "Hey, angels, can you help?" And they're like, "No, the Lord helps." Jesus those. <laughs> helps one who helps himself. Yeah, the Lord helps those who help themselves. And this is my second favorite joke, which you guys probably hate too, because you guys are fucking assholes. No, I love this joke. You're right. Thanks for the platitude. I'll be sure to. Uh, ask not what my country could do for me while I'm at it, guys, and he leaves. I think that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty good. good. That's pretty good. Okay, so now that gives Ryan seal approval. Thank God. I can feel like I can feel like I'm not a fucking idiot for liking a joke. Thank you, Ryan. The fucking <laughs> arbiter of what's funny. Uh, <laughs> I want to know. I made three jokes this time. Entire time, Ryan's like, "Fuck you, Sly. Fuck you, Sly." I have never criticized Ryan's jokes, and he's just a fucking asshole. Fuck you. Because uh, I'm the fucking funny one. No, you Whatever. should you should criticize his jokes. They're not funny either. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. new rule. Ryan's jo- jokes always suck no matter what. Okay. Tell, tell me, what's the shittiest joke I've ever made? Oh. Uh, your life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll give you that one. All right. So, uh, Bigman flies back and forces Fred out of his body. Uh, now he gets he's back in his old body, and the huge demon shows up and says, "Oh, the Vagman, uh, you sold your soul to us, and now I get to eat you." And no, I get to torture you for all eternity. And in in uh, skunk urine. In skunk boiling urine. skunk urine. And Venkman's like, the urine thing sounds great, but I think I'm going to hold off. So the mobsters, uh, the other side, as they're called, the other side is what name the mobsters are, uh, leaders are. Uh, they want to sell out Fred as payment for transporting souls out of purgatory. And he wanted to torture Venkman. So basically they're selling out Fred in, in, in Venkman's body. And now uh, Fred's like, oh my god, they're going to sell me out. And uh, uh, Peter goes like, you're just another type of ghost. And so he's busting him. Like, like it's a fucking massive demon. And Peter just takes his pose on pack and starts shooting it. But it's just like a, demons are just like big ghosts. <laughs> but yeah. That's kind of a boring way to tackle a, a problem. Yeah, it is. That's the problem with Ghostbusters in general. They always have a problem where, realistically, you can just bust every ghost and they have to make up bullshit ways how they just don't bust and trap every ghost they When need. a problem comes along, you must bust it. Yes. <laughs> See, I'm funny. I'm funny. Fuck you, yeah. Sly. <laughs> 
and then uh, Frank shows up and they're like, oh, well, I need the trap, guys. And uh, Frank shows up and he's and gives him the trap. And Moose's like, we don't need your help and punches him in the face. <laughs> and and uh, Frank says, Fred. come on, don't ruin my moment of redemption, guys. Yeah, Fred's like, now that I know I was going to be sold out, I'm going to help. But I just find it funny that they, they, uh, it's a very classic Ghostbusters joke where he acknowledges the trope they're using. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. moment of redemption. And, uh, do you feel that acknowledging a trope makes it okay? Yes. Yes. I really okay, do. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Tropes are not bad inherently, and they often work really well in a story. It's just that when it's so generic and overused, it can become really tiring for the reader. But when you acknowledge it, you kind of take away that fatigue because you're like, I know this is this is cliche, but it works with our story. And it, yeah, I mean, in general, I feel like acknowledging tropes almost always makes it so much better. Yeah, so so uh, Peter is about to die. Uh, Peter Peter has his body back, but now he's dying because of lack of oxygen. And... Yeah, the demon had mentioned earlier that like he was he worked out a deal with Fred or Frank. What is it, Fred, Frank? Fred. 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 Okay, yeah, he works out a deal with Fred that he's the one keeping Venkman's body alive. And now that the demon's gone, he's just like, shit, I'm di- I'm gonna die. Yeah, uh, but apparently the angels uh, keep him alive enough to. Uh, like, they don't see the angels, but they see a white light, and the angels, Vagman can hear the angel's voice as he's being taken out of purgatory, saying, oh, uh, they, uh, God helps those who help themselves, but uh, it also helps those who are looking out for him, too. Um, yes, yeah, so they say the balance has been preserved, so we can intervene a little here. And they don't just they don't just say Venkman here. They do a full-on fucking Jesus Lazarus shit. And... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty explicit deus ex machina. Because, like, it is a god. Yeah. Also, <laughs> earlier, Peter Venkman calls himself a deus yourself ex machina. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> Which is, like, a pretty funny, like, do-it-yourself kind of pun. But if you actually break it down, that makes super no sense. Well, yeah. He was just like, I can do anything in this world except not get busted, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Or breathe. But that's a, good, that's, a, that's a good Venkman joke that Sly neglected to mention. Yeah, he probably didn't think it was as funny. You as know why? Because I think that so. joke's shit and your opinion is a piece of shit, right? <laughs> All right, so uh, they they uh, they bust the mobsters when they get back, and uh, they ask them, "Well, why'd you keep swapping souls?" And they're like, "Old habits die hard, I guess." I like that a lot. How they really try to question why the mobsters are doing this, and it's just like that's just what we that's what we do. That's what we've always We're done. We're mobsters. What the fuck do you want from us? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird because in real life they weren't doing it just to be mobsters. They were doing it for like money and power. But you know, <laughs> when you're dead, you might be bored more. Yeah. And they probably they probably got some thrill out of doing that in life, so why not do it? Yeah. Death? All right. So uh, once it says goodbye to his plot relevant girlfriend, uh, <laughs> Jeff has more to do. He doesn't get to say goodbye. He just says, says nothing as they. Sit well, he's there. not in a bikini. Oh right. I was I wondering, was. like, is he going to grow up and bang her? Does do you grow up in the afterlife? Like, if you die as a kid, if you can't, if you can't put on a pair of pants, I don't think you could grow up. <laughs> yeah. But that's so that doesn't make it's like so strange to think about because if you die as a kid and you're in the afterlife as a kid, like you would grow up mentally just from exp- your experiences over time. This, this, this is a, one thing I always found funny because in Ghostbusters two, people bitch about the lore of Ghostbusters two, saying, "Oh, the story is uh, a guy in the portrait painting is trying to possess a baby," and they're like, "Oh, why does he need that specific baby? Why does he need this? Why does he need that?" This lore makes no sense, and I'm like. 
Ghostbusters lore never made any sense, guys. It's fucking <laughs> just for the sake of these guys busting ghosts. Like, don't try to overanalyze it. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not meant. To, it's just a bunch of goofy guys busting ghosts. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing is, usually I like like to ask those kind of questions. Like, if you die, like you can never change your clothes. You can't. You can't grow up or anything like that. But like, Ghostbusters, it it's not the kind of thing that you're going to to answer this like yeah. how does the afterlife work it's just supposed to be like roll with it it's fun yeah and so uh and that ends our story the end yeah the end uh recap so, page what's your guys final thoughts i liked it a little <laughs> i i didn't like it as much when i first read it but going through it again it's kind of fun I, i've switched back and forth uh three times i did first time i read it i was like this is really good then I read it and pointed out the plot details. I'm like, this is not as good as I remembered it. Now that I, re- I was going to the plot again, I'm like, it's better than, better than I thought the second time. So I kind of did what Joe did when he read Civil, Civil War three times and made my peace with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I I think I'm going to segue to the next thing we should talk about with this answer. But I think if you like Ghostbusters, it's fun. But I don't think it necessarily, like... I wouldn't use it as an example why uh, they should never reboot it. Like, I'm like, this is just a fun, like, adventure, but I'm not... I, I think it also shows that, like, it's not as totally perfect of a franchise that you can just tell endless stories that'll always be really fun. Yeah. Like, it's fine. It's 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 fun if you lo- really like Ghostbusters 1 and 2, read it. But, like, if you're not a huge fan, I don't think you have to rush out and buy and it. And the question I would... Like how long can you how long could you do this? Uh, like, okay, we, we did it once, another comic maybe, but how many stories can you pull out of your ass? Because already this one felt very stretched, right? If, what what like, kind of development do these characters get in this story? Like, why does it have to be these characters? How what about this? Does it have to be Peter Venkman? Does it have to be Egon? the dialogue? It, just the dialogue. Dialogue is very Peter Venkman. Yeah, but like that's to me. I was like, if you make this not if you if you make this not Peter Venkman, this becomes goes from like a 7 out of 10 for me to a 5 out of maybe even Yeah, 20. and that's the thing is for me, I was like, there's nothing inherently character-driven about this. I feel like if you had other interesting characters with like fun quirks in this exact same story, like as long as those characters were good, I don't think it would change anything. I think it would change a lot, honestly. I mean, if you have equally fun but different characters, I feel like there's nothing inherently... Peter Venkman about this plot, other than just his jokes. Well, this is a, this, a, this a, one of the flaws of the story is like, uh, since you, they probably feel you have to stick to the characters close to how they are in the films, they probably feel more restricted in telling a more a throwaway, more disposable story. Like, just a I random, can definitely see that too. Rather than a story, like if you if they had new characters, this might be a more nuanced, in-depth story where they actually develop and learn stuff through this experience. So, given okay, I think now we should talk briefly about the reboot movie now none of us have seen it yet but my question is we live in a world where they could not have made this cast (laughs) yeah well like it was so long and harold ramis unfortunately passed away and uh uh, bill murray did not want to do it bill murray didn't want to do it and dan Aykroyd, as sly so delicately put is not skinny anymore (laughs) (laughs) that's essential but like they're they're the original cast could not have done a ghostbusters 3 do you think that if you had these characters played by actors that weren't... Because, like, in my opinion, I could be totally wrong, but I feel like there's very, very few comedians that even come close to Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Bill Murray's level of 
and I'm not ignoring Winston, but like I'm just I don't know him from anything else. But I'm a huge Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis fan. You don't know him from Adam, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but like I don't, I don't know him from other as as a full comedian. Like I do the other. I, ones. My opinion is actually the problem with using the same characters. I I do think that comedians are better, uh, not not strictly better, but somewhat better in certain ways than those, especially Dan Aykroyd. I think Dan Aykroyd's level of quality work limits itself after the 80s but uh yeah but, but what i'm saying is like they have such unique styles recasting those characters these characters are those actors yeah exactly exactly that's what i'm trying to get to not as well spoken as you yeah but like i feel like if you were to recast them as somebody else it wouldn't be like i would rather than make new characters it's the same thing like if robert downey jr doesn't want to be iron man anymore i would rather them pass the mantle to someone else than have a new tony stark because he's so defined like the character's so defined by his performance at this point and like i would rather see a reboot with new characters than a watered down version of these characters for, or not watered down but like it would have to be different so why not make them different characters I agree. I, I think in general making new characters is a better idea because you your your space to work with is so much more limited when you're stuck with the old characters. I I'm not sure if I prefer reboots to sequels though. Like I Well that's I w- the thing is if I could pick, I would make it set in the same world, they are a second wave of teams. I wouldn't reboot it. Yeah, I think yeah. that is a a much preferable way to do it because people are really fucking tired of reboots they're like nope the, none of that happened we're doing it again yeah. why not why not have the same world where you like you said they're passing on the torch like the old ghostbusters are fucking old and they're they're training a new team of ghostbusters that could work i don't really see why they always have to and this isn't just ghostbusters fault there's been so many reboots yeah you can even do that without the original cast yeah, yeah. Because, like, they don't have to be trained by the original Ghostbusters. They could just, like, inherit their shit or, like, yeah. buy the building. All you need is a scene of, of Bill Murray on TV saying, thank you for your purchase of this Ghostbusters franchise. Here is what you need for this establishment. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm picturing Bill Murray being like, I, one of the creators of this original stuff, are authorizing you to use it. <laughs> yes. But, but I, I do find it, um, you were saying, like, uh, uh, you limit your stories, so you can't tell new, new stories. I do feel if it was, the fact that it's a reboot also limits it because this is the third film in a row where we basically have to deal with the Ghostbusters uh, getting the tech together. Uh, the opening yeah. act is them just setting themselves up and then fighting a big bad at the end. Like, but that's why a, a sequel and not a reboot could avoid that problem because they could yeah. start out w- yeah. with like up to speed. Like they could start out with the training and tech and whatever, and yeah. go on an adventure right from the start. Yeah. Now, yeah. having said that, we haven't seen the movie yet. Yeah. I'm talking about reboots in general. Yeah. I don't know how much time they spend on that. It's the same thing like when they when they announced that they were making another like high school Spider-Man movie. Oh, God. I was like, are they going to go through the origin? And they said, no, you guys have seen that enough. He's just going to be Spider-Man. I'm like, that's – that's we know. Everyone knows. Like, And even the Ghostbusters, they don't have an origin. They're guys that bust ghosts. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like, like they start the first film with the technology already pretty much made. Like, they're just getting, yeah. putting in the field. Uh, let's get into our next question real quick. Are you guys interested in seeing the reboot? I really am. And it's, like I said before, it's not that I'm the biggest Ghostbusters fan in the world. I just think if you were to make a modern comedy like an ensemble comedy i think the cast that they picked is like flawless and i absolutely love every single actor and actress that they cast for it so i'm just more excited like i would be for 
any modern comedy that I'm like, oh, I really like these actors. I'm going to go see it. But I'm not, like, emotionally invested in it. If it's fine, okay. If it's great, that's awesome. I got to see a great movie. If it's shitty, oh well. I'm not, I'm personally not very interested because partially I'm not into Ghostbusters that much, like I said earlier. I don't usually see comedies. When I, If I go see a movie, it's, it's usually going to be a drama. I don't like laughing, says Phil. I hate, <laughs> I hate fun. I hate joy. No, I just, I'm not into those kinds of movies. This is why you fucking hate my jokes, isn't it, Phil? <laughs> I hate comedies Honestly, because no, of Honestly, I agree with you, Phil. I usually don't go to the movies to see comedies. I, like, wait for them. But because of the backlash against this movie, I'm going to go pay money to see it because I'm like, fuck you guys. Why are you being so mean? That's the only thing that's interesting to me is the controversy around it. But in general, I'm not very interested. I'm also not very interested in all these 80s reboots. Like, I haven't seen the new anything. RoboCop or... Uh, it's uh, forgettable. They're all they're all shitty, basically. Most uh, of them are forgettable. Yeah. There was actually... Uh, comic Book Chick was talking about this recently. And they're talking about 80s reboots in general. And... Um, they were talking about like the, the the now the focus is all on the international market, right? Because uh, our generation in America doesn't watch movies as much in theaters. Like we just said, we're yeah. not going to watch these comedies in theaters, right? Uh-huh. And um, uh, she brought up a good point that until 1994, no American movies were allowed in China uh, at all. So they didn't get RoboCop, they didn't get Ghostbusters, they didn't get anything. So a lot. Huh. Of, so this is, and even now they have long boycotts until certain dates that no American movies are allowed in theaters just so their Chinese films can catch up. And um, so now that really brings up the point that most of these reboots aren't made for like artistic purposes. They're just made to... Because none of these artists, international artists, I've seen this before, and they're a very easy way to appeal, to get that charm and that appeal to a new audience that haven't seen this stuff before and just make, make a quick buck. I didn't know any of that. That's fascinating. But... Also, I don't know. That's basically only the case for China, because everywhere else. No, Russia too. Russia is the same. I guess Russia, so. Russia. Uh, we also live in a hyper nostalgic society now, though. I know, but like most of these films don't do that great in America. It's always the foreign box office that really. I know, but them. I'm saying in general, like across the board, in our politics, in our media, in just our like conversation, everyone is nostalgic now. I don't know if that's always the case. Maybe I'm just old enough now to realize that's how human beings are. I think that's how human beings are. It, I mean, it people is. always have been like that. But this bad? Yeah. yeah. You can find, like, stuff from, like, the 1200s where people are like, things used to be so good in the 1150s. Like, it's just, it's pretty common that people look back to when, to, like, golden ages. Because it's like how, you know, what do they say? How does that phrase go? The rose-tinted glasses past something? <laughs> to the glasses are green on the other side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. Exactly. I don't know the phrase, but everything looks better in retro- in hindsight. I think uh, she choosy moms choose the past. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, that was a good joke, Ryan. Why don't you like my fucking <laughs> joke? I, I'm coming around to it. Okay, so... Uh, Notice how no one laughed at that joke, though. So I did. Yeah, I did. Okay, okay yeah, well... It shows how shitty it is. And you hate comedy, so you're right. <laughs> I don't hate comedy. I'm not going to go see one in theaters. All right, so Phil hates actors and comedies. <laughs> Keep this in mind for every special edition from that going forward. He only likes drama documentaries. This is why he doesn't want to see a movie, uh, Ghostbusters. He's like, oh my god, actors and comedy? This is my nightmare. Oh my god. <laughs> this is why I'm always recommending like anime, too, because I hate actors. Yeah. Yeah. I like voice yeah. actors. Oh, okay. Have any of you seen uh, Paul Feig's other films, by the way? Like what? Uh, Spy, uh, The Heat, Bridesmaids. Uh, Sp- Spy was really interesting. I, I really liked Spy too. I I was like really kind of taken aback at how like ambitious it was. Yeah. 
And that's and like I'm like, uh, what else did he do? Uh, he and bridesmaids. No. I hear that. Like I haven't seen bridesmaids, but everybody likes it a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. popular movie. I haven't seen it either, but I recommend the, the, the Spy. Not from recommendations, but just if you want to get a sample of if you want for any any viewer, if you want to sample what the movie's probably going to be like, go see Spy. No, you've you've already ruined it. Yeah, I also didn't get why Melissa McCarthy was, like, so beloved until I saw Spy, and I was like, she's great. Yeah, she's a very natural comedian. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I also, Kate McKinnon is one of my favorite SNL cast members ever, and just, like, I just think the cast for Ghostbusters is great, and the team behind it, I'm like, this is, like, if there was anyone to make, like, an all-female Ghostbusters, this is who I would pick to do it. Yeah. So, like, just for that, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna go see it, just for... You know, even like yeah, I didn't think the first trailer was good, but whatever. I can't tell with with comedies. I'm always torn. Like, I can't tell if the actors are more important or less important than other movies. Because I can't I'm, tell if I hate this movie because the actors because it's a comedy. No, <laughs> I can't tell if because in many movies, like you can have great actors, but if the writing is shit, it's shit. It's a shit movie. And I can't tell if in comedies the funny actors can make it work anyway, or if the jokes still need to be written well. Or no, the, some... it's. I think for comedies, it's all about the cast because I've seen comedies that like should have been terrible. Like anytime I see Jason Sudeikis in a movie, I'm like, this movie wouldn't be good, but he is so funny that like it's. I love this. It's also important uh, that a lot of modern comedies also skew towards improv. Uh, when you watch yeah. Spy, there's a lot of jokes in Spy that have no bearing on the plot whatsoever, and they kind of throw off the to- uh, like the pacing a bit. But you could tell like they're just the actor because like the scenes where Mr. McCarthy says, "I will punch you in the face." stick my fist up the ass and make a spit roast out of you and you can tell like she's just uh, mouthing up different uh, uh, horrible things to do to this guy like as nothing to do with the actual plot yeah uh, and like I think that's when the actors really come in when the, when you allow a, lot, allow a lot of improv into comedy yeah I agree okay I accept that <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> it's permissible <laughs> It feels always like that. Like, he's the fucking emperor. I allow you to live, Sly. You will not die for your opinion. Not this day. <laughs> okay, so there actually... I do have a question that I want to ask you guys on the letters page. It's... Guess who it's from? Uh, uh, Brian? X-Men Brian? Yeah, it's from Brian. Uh, and, you know, divisive issues, Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, iTunes, rate and review, all that stuff. He says, how important is the art of a story and its overall impact on you as a reader? Why? Can a comic succeed in telling a compelling story if the art is poor but the writing is good? And what about the opposite? Uh, my personal opinion on this has always been, and I, I know a lot of comic readers disagree with this thing. Oh, the art shit, I can't look at it, I can't stand, look, at, look at it. feels like this too. He said, V Vendetta, oh, I can't, I can't stand like a V Vendetta. Oh, what? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't say it like that. He's exaggerating so much. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Who's that? Is that Guy Davis? But like, he just kept bitching about it all the time, and, and I want to punch you in the face every time he did. Okay, but, but to be fair, it's not like that ruined the comic for me. I still really love V for Vendetta. I, I can complain about the art and still think it's a great book. It's, it's David Lloyd, my bad. But, but um, that's besides the point. But unlike, unlike assholes like Philip, uh, <laughs> who, should, who should all die, I do not permit him to live. Uh, Burn in hell. Now you have my permission to die. Yeah, but um, <laughs> like I feel like if the story is good, you can. It's like if the script is good in a movie where the director isn't fully competent, and, and that's why I feel like a lot of people don't get it. like the script for me is always the most important thing. You can get these great actors, great uh, directors, great cinematographers, great directors of photography, great writers, great artists, get all, the, all this stuff together. But if you, the writing is shit, you're telling a shitty story with great visuals. 
Yeah. That, yeah. That's fair. It, I think it depends for me the style of the book. Like, I've read really emotional books that had shitty art and for me the shitty art does take away from it where i'm supposed to be super wrapped up and like watching one of my favorite characters die or like something like that and now i'm laughing at the face that robin's making (laughs) or you know and like that to me or like even like in in grant morrison's x-men there's a fill-in artist because no one on that run could keep keep a fucking deadline and like it's supposed to be a big character reveal of two of my favorite characters and it's totally ruined by subpar art but at the same time i've read books that were action heavy that had maybe not the best art that it didn't detract from it very much at all and i've read other books where the writing wasn't necessarily like super like a book that I recommended earlier was Grant, and in other episodes was Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum: A Serious House on Serious Earth. I really like that book. I really like that book, and the writing is great, but the art is so much better that I feel like the writing doesn't even matter as much. No, I disagree. I think if you had a shitty, if you didn't have Grant Morrison writing one of his best '80s books in that story, you would have something like Rubens, where the art is good and very painterly. That's true. But it's that's shit true. story. And I mean. It's hard That's to be, very fair. I think it, a lot of times it is the extremes that matter more. Like, uh, like you were saying, if the art is so bad that it takes you out, that is a pro- it becomes a problem. But mediocre art with a good story can just it, it can be just be fine. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it like you were saying, the context matters a lot because if I'm watching like an action movie that has bad cinema or like bad cinematography and choreography. It's to me that's kind of just shit already. Like it doesn't matter how the writing is. If, well, if it depends on how, how how deep, like you said, it's, it depends on the extremes. Like if you can't see what's going on, like in an action movie, that's a problem. But like, yeah, like people point out uh, the Avengers films where the like Avengers one and two, people say Josh Sweden's not a good director. All films look at, like they're on a TV set where it's not very interesting. Lighting is not very interesting. Camera work, but I still like the Avengers films because the writing is good. Like, yes, Josh Sweeney still has a very TV mindset where he doesn't do very interesting camera work. He has very weird angles and stuff like that. But, and it feels kind of very plain considering the grandiose nature of the story. But this, the writing is good, so I'm able to pass maybe not a great cinematography. I would also argue that many people's favorite Batman movie, The Dark Knight, has a pretty shitty script. If you really look at the dialogue in a lot of that movie... It's pretty shitty, but so the it direction... Depends your, it depends on your opinion. Like uh, uh, A cop grabs a guy and says, have a nice trip, see you next fall, and shoves him in a car. That's a joke that you like. <laughs> you have no, made that joke. It, he doesn't say it. It's supposed to be a serious moment. Right, fuck you. No, fuck you. I'm not going to let you get by on this. If that was Batman 89, you would say this movie's fucking genius. Fuck you. No, I, I have very... I, I love Batman 89, but there's fucking weird flaws in that too. Like, I I'm saying that, like, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, to me, David S. Goyer is a terrible writer. David and... S. Goyer wasn't Batman number two. Fuck you, Ryan. You're wrong. What? He's only he's only for Batman Begins. Well, whoever whoever the screenwriter for The Dark Knight is, I think didn't do the best job. But the cinematography and the acting is so good and the plotting is so good that I don't think it matters as much. Ryan is saying Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan are shit writers. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> I think that they're better directors than writers. Fight me. Uh, I will fight you. I'm going to go over there right now. Uh, I think the Batman movies, the Nolan Batman movies, have pretty bad scripts, so deal with it. I don't think they do, but it's also been a while since I've seen them. Uh, but I wouldn't say that the scripts are bad enough that you could, like, say that... That's it. what I'm saying, is it's not an extreme. 
Oh, story by David S. Goyer, Dark Knight. Get fucked, Sly. Story's not script, Ryan. Fuck you. Whatever. You didn't story, write the script. Story's not script. You my shit. <laughs> All right. This, I will this, go over to your house right now and make you my shit. Bro. I declare that this <laughs> this conversation is over. Okay, but yeah, it has to either be really bad. It, I think it has to be really bad for me to be taken out of it. Generally, if one is really good and the other one's bad, I, and the other one's mediocre, I don't notice. Yeah. All right, cool. so uh, recommendations? Recommendations. This is the most angry, heated episode ever. Well, this is good. It's only fucking... I, I have a good one. I have a good recommendation. Okay. Um, I suppose you, my usual ones, which is shit. <laughs> a lot of times they're stretched, but this one, if you like the whole, like, afterlife uh, people doing crime type thing, where it's mostly lighthearted humor, the LucasArts point-and-click adventure game, Grim Fandango, is basically set in the afterlife, and it's a very... They don't go into the questions of, you know... Like, they, like you were saying earlier, you don't want them to have to answer existential questions of, like, if you die as a kid, like, what happens? It just has fun with it. And basically, the game takes place in the afterlife, and you play as a tra- uh, travel agent, kind of, li- bringing people to the land of the dead. And they pay you, basically, to bring them there. And if they're more rich, then you, they get there, like, in luxury style, and you, or you have to, like, walk them there. Uh, it's a really fun game about... The afterlife, it, it just has fun with it and doesn't worry about like big, deep questions. Um, I've heard such good things about it, but I've never played it. Yeah, yeah me I, too. I would recommend it. All right, so my recommendation is uh, IDW's current Ghostbusters series, which uh, is kind of uh, a reboot uh, uh, heresy. Of, of this, uh, basically, it ignores everything except Ghostbusters One, Ghostbusters Two, and Ghostbusters video game. And um, it's it's written by uh, Eric Burnham, drawn by da- da- Dan Schoening. But uh, uh, the story is more of a, it's basically more of a long, continuity-driven story where uh, uh, each issue jump goes to the next. Each story goes to the next story. Uh, I've read only uh, the first volume of it. It deals and it deals with uh, uh, basically uh, after Ghostbusters one. They explained that the reason why Dan Aykroyd, uh, Ray, uh, the reason why he was the one who picked Stay Puft Marshmallow Man to be Gozer's uh, form was because he was a selector. And new demons show up and basically say, Gozer's coming back now. You have to make her not be Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. They tie him down and basically try to make him think of stuff other than Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And, and the challenge is he's trying to keep thinking of Stay Puft Marshmallow Man so Gozer <laughs> doesn't come back anything else. That <laughs> sounds really fun. I'm yeah. definitely going to check that out. It is a great comic. I really love it. If, if you love Go- like This is why I was hesitant on saying they can never... Uh, continue the stories with the original characters because I read the comics and I think they do a good job of it there. But that's why I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of I'm I'm fine with new, new characters. I'm fine. I was fine with the extreme ghost poses. I'm fine with it here. But I also don't mind continuing with the comics of the with the old characters. I think either if you're hard pressed on it, you don't have enough of an open mind either way. You can make anything work as long as the writing is good, in my opinion. I I think that's very fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so my recommendation is not necessarily the same tonally as Ghostbusters, <laughs> but I'm going to go not to IDW, but to Kaboom, because what they're doing with their licensed properties is amazing. And I want to recommend the Adventure Time graphic novel, Fiona and Cake, because it's it's like an all-ages really fun kids book, and all the Adventure Time comics and all the graphic novels are really great. But this one, I think, is especially great because... If you're not familiar with Adventure Time, it usually stars Finn and Jake the dog. And Fiona and Cake is a subset of Adventure Time where everyone's gender swapped. 
And it does a really, really good job at showing how you could still take the core of a character's like personality and what makes them so great and still switch their gender in a way that doesn't feel gimmicky. So it's PC bullshit, huh? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> if you're a PC, PC piece of shit, interested in Luke Reboot, go watch read that comic. But anyway... You fucking SJW. The thing that I love about Fiona and Cake is it's written from a, a feminine perspective and from a... And same thing with the Fiona and Cake episodes. And it's written, like, with a female sensibility. And, like, Fiona isn't just thin but a girl she's a, a totally independent character that still has a lot of things that like she's feminine and proud of but still is very strong and has a lot of similar characteristics to finn and i just think that adventure time has always done a really great job at showing how you can play with gender politics and it still be very fun and accessible and not gimmicky or ham-fisted and i really love all the adventure time books so read them sounds cool 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 Anything else, guys? Anything else you want to yell at me for, Sly? Uh, your entire existence. Okay. We'll <laughs> save that for a bonus episode. Also, we had a big debate about this. I think if you want us to do the Ghostbusters movie, tell us. And if you don't want us to, tell us. Just tell us anything. Just talk yeah. to us. I'd like to know what the listeners think. Because it's not a comic book movie, but some of us think it's worth talking about. Some of us don't. So I'd be it, interested it is divisive. in everyone's thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Even among us. Yeah, so I'd be interested in what the listeners thought. So that about wraps it up. So thank you guys for listening. We've been Divisive Issues. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. And I'm Phil. Stay in continuity. There's something strange in your neighborhood. Who you gonna call?